Thanks for tuning in to this BGN Podcast Extra about the film Suicide Squad. My name is Jamie, and I am your host. Suicide Squad just premiered this past weekend, and there's been some very interesting takeaways on both sides of the fence. You've got people that love the film, that thought it was fun and entertaining, and then you have people that are saying that this is the worst film ever made, and that it was very disappointing. So... We're going to discuss various topics about the film. We're going to discuss what we liked, what we didn't like. Also, Jared Leto's depiction of the Joker. And we talk about film critics and their response to the film and the huge backlash against it and the low rating on Rotten Tomatoes as a result. And I have a panel of experts with me, Karan, Kayla, and Rebecca. Now, this episode does have a lot of spoilers in it, so please, if you have not seen Suicide Squad yet, pause this right now, just hit the pause button, run to the theater, and then come back and play it, and that way we won't ruin your experience. But if you've seen Suicide Squad already, then tune in and enjoy the ride while we go over and critique our thoughts and our perspectives about Suicide Squad. Enjoy! Welcome to this special edition of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. It's our BGM Podcast Extra, and we are going to devote this entire show to the WB DC film called Suicide Squad that premiered this weekend. It came with some very mixed reviews, very polarizing mixed reviews at that, and we, we want to talk about it. There's, there's a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions towards this this film, and I'm very happy to have a panel to discuss it. I have Kayla and Karan and Rebecca um, from Cinema and Noir. Thank you, ladies, so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so I want to get started by discussing some of the pros and cons of this film. And I, I'll start first, and then we'll go in this order. Karan, Rebecca, and Kayla. As far as the pros are concerned, the things that I really liked about Suicide Squad, which overall for me, it was an entertaining film. I really didn't hate it. I really love Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. She killed it, nailed it. I finally get to see what the wall looks like um, in a live action format, which I really didn't get that much on the Arrow series, so I really appreciated Viola's performance. I also really loved Jay Hernandez as El Diablo. I I thought that that was sort of like the sleeper performance. I was not expecting his role and his character to be so profound and interesting, so that really amazed me. And overall, the film was very visually stunning. We, We saw a lot of that in the promo art prior to the film being released, but just watching it uh, as it was, it was just very visually stunning and it had really great special effects. As far as the things that I had issues with, I thought that the action scenes were a bit lackluster. They, they just really didn't do much for me. I even found myself kind of nodding off a little bit during some of the action sequences. And then there was some motives of two characters in particular that seemed a bit illogical for me, Deadshot and Harley. Uh, I didn't understand, <laughs> how can I say this? De- Deadshot's character to me, just I, I was confused. One moment he comes off as this character that is very concerned about the welfare and being of his daughter. 
Um, but then he says things that makes it sound like he's very detached from having any kind of emotional connection to others. And I, I just didn't understand why he stuck with the team and kind of took on the fatherly role the way he did. So I, I just had some mixed feelings about that depiction. And then with respect to Harley, one thing that I thought was really weird was, you know, each of the members of the Suicide Squad was um, inserted with a chip that could be activated at any time and cause them, you know, to get blown up. And, and that's essentially why they became the Suicide Squad. And then at one point, by the way, spoilers abound. If you're listening to this episode, spoilers abound. But there, there's one point where Harley's chip is deactivated and she's free to do, you know, whatever she wants, whenever she wants. And the fact that she stayed with the team after knowing that she had this chip deactivated and she could have done whatever she wanted and then also electing to finish the rest of her prison sentence and ask for an espresso machine. <laughs> I just thought that that was kind of weird. That just didn't make much sense to me. Um, so so that those were the illogical issues that I had with each character. Um, but overall, with those pros and some of those cons, I took it for what it was. I, I said this on social media. It's like a cotton candy movie. Um, doesn't really have a whole lot of substance. And, you know, it, it, it has moments that are very sweet and cool and entertaining and funny and cute and quirky. But I just didn't take this movie seriously. And I, I didn't really have huge high expectations as probably most people did. So it, it really didn't bug me as much as the critics. I didn't take the movie seriously, but I didn't want to either. It, it was like, can I just have fun at a movie and just watch some people get blown up and just enjoy that? I mean, just, you know, spread them out on the buildings or whatever. And I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a, a great little escape for me. Um, did I have any major issues with it? I, I have issues with Harley Quinn. Um, <laughs> girl. By the time I got to the movie, I had seen all of her scenes in previews. It was like, come on, really? You didn't give her any more than that? I mean, everything that she did was in one of the trailers or the previews. And that was, that was you know, except for a little bit of her backstory, which I think could have been really interesting if they would have, you know, integrated that a little bit more into the storyline. Instead, it, her story was more about being controlled by Joker. Um, I, I didn't really... Well, I like you, man. I do, but I didn't get. I didn't get it. It. It just his. What was the point of him being there? I. I. I didn't. It just didn't connect for me. Um. Did he have a few good lines? He has some cool one-liners, like white people. That I'm gonna need you to white people that shit. I like that. But. <laughs> um. The storyline with his love for his daughter and his love for murder. It. It. It just. It did not connect for me. Um. El Diablo was hot. That's all. He was hot. I just, I don't know. I'm not usually into tattoo guys, but mm, girl, he did it for me. Um, and I really liked, I really liked Killer Croc. I think Killer Croc was a great um, kind of mashup between Mike Tyson circa the ear incident and 50 Cent. Um, that's what he looked like to me. So he walked like Mike Tyson and looked like 50 Cent when he talked. Um, but I mean, it was, 
it was a movie. I, I didn't have real high expectations either. Um, so I agree with you, Jamie, on that. I didn't have super high expectations for the movie. Did I enjoy it, though? Yes, it was very entertaining. The the And I saw it in IMAX 3D because, you know, I'm addicted to IMAX 3D now. But the action sequences were cool. The effects were really cool. But, I mean, it. I wasn't underwhelmed. Like Batman versus Superman, I was underwhelmed. Right. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the movie. It was great escapism, and that's what I really wanted from it. So you know, and Di- El Diablo was hot. He was hot. Rebecca, uh, hmm. <laughs> I have very mixed feelings about Suicide Squad. I think um, I don't know. I, I let me start with the with the things that I did like about Suicide Squad. Um, I agree. I think Viola Davis was really good as Amanda Waller. Um, and I think she elevated the movie in, in some ways. Um, she pretty much set the bar as far as the performances. And I think she really nailed uh, Amanda Waller's ruthless pragmatism. Um, and it's never anything personal with her. It's, it's all about business, it's all about you know, the security of the free world. So all of her motivations, everything she did made sense to me. Um, I think Margot Robbie was good as Harley Quinn. Um, it's a it's a different Harley Quinn than what we're used to than the um, than the animated movie. But I I think she did the best that she could with the material that she was given. Um, I'm going to put a pin in that because that also goes to the negative. Um Will Smith as as Deadshot, I thought Will Smith definitely gave the best comic relief um, as far as his one-liners and just the snarkiness that he brought to to Deadshot. I thought that was really um, enjoyable. Um, Jay Hernandez, I thought was good too. I wish he would have had. I wish he would have had more screen time, but I, I really felt empathy for his character, which I think is important especially when you find out his backstory. Um, if, if you didn't have empathy for him, then anything that happens to his character, otherwise you're just not invested in it. Um, so I do kudos to him. Um, as for the negatives, um, more like critiques. I think going back to, to Margot's um, Harley Quinn, again, I think she, she could have done more if she was given more. And I, I put that responsibility on the screenwriter and the director. Um, there, there were a lot of um, critiques of Suicide Squad in, as far as the objectification of Harley mm. and I with it. I think, I think there's a huge difference between a woman having sexual agency and being sexually empowered and then being Thank the you. object of, you know what I mean? And I lost count of how many ass crack shots we had of Margot. Oh, it just was not it was not necessary. It really wasn't. There's been a big debate about whether she should have worn, you know, the Harlequin outfit that she had from the animated series or what she wore. Um, again, I don't want to police that I don't want to get into the, the policing of what women characters wear, but I think the question is when you wear that outfit, who is it for? Who is it for and what service does it does what purpose does it serve? And so I feel that this outfit that they picked for Harley Quinn, that was, it had nothing to do with comfort. It had nothing to do, um, you know, with her being comfortable or even, you know, the things that she did. 
um, because she's an action hero. It was really more about the male gaze. That's that's what it was for. And I think that's very disappointing because it, it almost seems that they did not have faith in male moviegoers to be invested into an emotionally complex character like Harley. So they just took the easy route and was like, yeah, we're just going to pop Tartar up. Uh-huh. And you, I mean, like just from the opening scene of where she's in the prison and she's like hanging, like she's like, it was just, I was just like, she was just sort of like this pornified version of Harley Quinn. And I was just like, that is not who she is. Um, you know, there are some people who are, who've been saying that, you know, that's better fitted for Poison Ivy, who I, which I agree with. I, I think that's true. I think Harley is sexual in her own way, but the way it was depicted in Suicide Squad just was totally against, you know, the character itself. So mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what was going on with that. Um, you know, and then my other complaint was that as far as, you know, I feel like for the characters of color, I feel that Amanda Waller and Deadshot were written well. As for Katana, El Diablo, and Killer Croc, all of them mm-hmm. sort of felt and fell within this weird racial trope, mm-hmm. right? Like Killer Croc, that only could have come from the imagination of a white filmmaker. Yep. Seriously. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh, first thing he asked for is BET child, please. No one watches one did BET play music videos. <laughs> I don't know. Since when has anybody hey, watched BET wrong. for music? Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I watch BET because BET has actually stepped up as far as you know programming and the you know the award special, but. That's not to say that black people don't watch BT. Obviously, they do. But I feel like the Killer Croc um, character definitely felt with fell within a racial trope. Um, Katana was just, you know, the 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 deadly ninja Asian girl. Yeah. You know, a trope that we have seen time and time again. And it was especially um, to me, it was disappointing because the the actress who plays Katana is Asian America and speaks fluent English. And I felt that they could have taken advantage of that. They could have given her more to say. I mean, you can have characters that are bilingual. I mean, she spoke Japanese and she can speak English. There's, there's no reason why the character could not speak both languages. I happen to know Japanese American people that speak both languages um, fluently. And so, you know, I feel that they dropped the ball in, uh, with that. With Diablo, the Diablo character definitely fell within certain Latino tropes. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. but I, again, I felt that Jay Hernandez, you could see that he really fought, you know what I mean, in his performance. Like, he was like, I'm, I'm going to rise above this. I mean, you guys wrote me a certain way, but I'm going to give you something extra, which is why I really commend him for that. And so, I mean, you can definitely see there are performances where the the performers definitely definitely try to rise above the material that, that was given to them, like Margot. And, you know, I, I told people that, you know, Margot has been pretty much dropping breadcrumbs in her interviews. She was not happy with this depiction of Harley yeah. at all. You know what I mean? And I and I really feel that people should pay attention. Whether you agree with it or not, I think it, it does say something where the person who's playing this character is saying, hey, you know what, I really wasn't happy wearing these booty shorts. You know what I mean? Like, that that definitely said something. So um, I think there was a good movie in Suicide Squad somewhere. <laughs> um, I saw flashes of it. Um, but, you know, um, you know, and oh, the other thing, too, is that the music that they used, it was overkill. You could clearly see that they were trying, trying to... Trying too hard. 
they were trying to they were trying to do what Guardians of the Galaxy did, but it didn't work. You know what I mean? And I always feel like you a good soundtrack for a movie should enhance the scene, but it shouldn't take it over. You know, and I feel like the, t- the 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 moments where they used the music, that was time where you could have used to flesh out the character or, you know, to write more compelling dialogue for them. And I felt that they used the music as a crutch in some ways instead of actually dealing with these characters. So, you know, I think it's I think the movie was OK. It wasn't great. Um, it's it's a little bit more tolerable than Batman versus Superman, but I I think that Wonder Woman is probably going to be the breakthrough movie for DC. I don't think Suicide mm. Squad is going to accomplish what Warner's wanted. I think Wonder Woman is really, and I think the reason why is I don't think DC was checking for Wonder Woman like that. Like they green you know they they greenlighted the movie, they found the director, they found the cast. But I think they were so focused on Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad that Patty Jenkins got to make the movie that she wanted. You know what I mean? And I think when we watch the trailers, it it has a cinematic feel to it, which I really appreciate because yesterday was the first time that I saw it on the big screen. It looks great. That's a great looking trailer. And I really hope that, you know, once Zack Snyder gets tired of Warners and moves the hell on, um, that they will find, they will really invest in filmmakers who are who want to make good films, you know, and 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 recruit them for the future DC movies that they have. So, yeah. Okay. Kayla, um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it for what it was. I didn't I didn't go into the movie like a lot of apparently Marvel fanboys and movie critics that don't watch like read comics went into it with, um. Marvel visions. Um, so I, I went into it just kind of like, you know, oh, it's going to be a DC movie. I, I should know that, A, going into it, they haven't had, they had their run of really great Batman movies, and DC has kind of struggled to get it together. I think that Suicide Squad is them figuring it out. It, it felt like, they were headed in such a, a they were headed in a good direction. There's just uh, little paths they took off the road there that didn't make sense to me. Um, I didn't personally have a huge problem with Harley as a character. I think Margot Robbie did a great job. I feel like yes, it was very over overly sexualized. I actually liked the opening scene um, of her in the cage just because it was very Arkham Asylum to me just her dangling there and being ridiculous um i didn't like the love story they tried to insert there between her and and deadshot maybe i'm the only one that got that mm-hmm. yeah i, I got it I tried it they tried it really hard and i was like y'all please stop now my favorite scene is of her dangling like she's dead on that was it, it threw was me good. back to playing arkham knight um, it's her just dangling and then she pops back up. I'm like, that's very Harley. She caught that, just that little scene, that glimpse. She caught that essence very well. Um, I mean, if I had my say, Harley would be with Ivy on the big scene like she is in right. the front. That would be my, my dream is to have Harley and Ivy together. Um, we're at a point where she realizes she doesn't need Joker. Um, but we're not there yet. 
and I don't think Warner Brothers is there yet. So and I and I loved Diablo. Like I was having hot flashes. Okay. You know, like well. <laughs> like he was so the, he did like Rebecca said he did really well with what he was given. Right. And he worked it for me. It just worked. Um, Jai Courtney is always going to be my man. They made him look ugly, but he was still adorable. Um, he was he was good comic relief as Captain Boomerang. I, I did appreciate that because we've only seen him be like a douchebag in like the Divergent series. So to see him kind of have that that role and be kind of funny, I, I, I did I did like. And I think that um, Cara Delevingne is not getting the props that she deserves. She did pretty well as a model coming into this. She did pretty well. There have been models given roles where they just flop and it doesn't work. Um, and I think she, she was the enchantress, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think she did very well. I, I, you know, I'm kind of over that trope where the white people go to off to a different country and get taken over by, you know, some outlandish spirit from that country. But it worked in the movie um, and she did pretty well with it. I have issues with um, Killer Croc and the the TV and the BET. I just I, mm-hmm. you know, it made me ha ha funny. And he's watching asses on TV, but I'm like he his comic relief in the movie. He could have they could have ended it better for him than than that scene for me. And then also Harley going back um, to prison. I don't know if it's more so them saying she still got that control thing with Joker going on or she's trying to get control of herself. I didn't really understand why she went back when she didn't have to. Right. Because Harley is her own woman. Her, quite arguably. Well, she was. Yeah. And, and quite arguably Harley and, and Diana, Wonder Woman are, are the strongest women in the DC universe, in my opinion. So to have her character, taken back like that it was like disappointing but i mean we'll see where it goes with that and i could have done without any batman scenes i honestly could have <laughs> they Perfect. wanted justice league so hard and they wanted that and then i you know i don't even and we'll get to it i'm sure we'll talk about the the post credit scene Girl. i don't care i i think that they are pushing it so hard and we all grew up watching that amazing Justice League run that they had, the animated series. Yeah. And our we've got some pretty high hopes for I, I I'm trying not to have high hopes for it, but uh-huh. I do. Because you guys gave us such an amazing animated series, you can't translate that. And because of what it is, we're not getting Green Lantern with it. So and if we don't have Jon Stewart, then why not? Like, why, why would we go see it? And we'll see where it goes. I could, like I said, I could have done without any of Batfleck. It was just kind of meh every scene. I, I can't with him. I just can't. I can't do it. I tried. He's like the boyfriend they, they, that your parents like that you don't want. Oh. <laughs> you know, I liked uh, Ben Affleck in Batman versus Superman, but somehow he just seemed very muddled in, in Suicide Squad. And I don't know if it was because you know, he didn't really have many scenes and, and, you know, he was sort of like a side character with each scene that he was in, but it, 
his performance didn't do anything for me. And I agree with you, Kayla. Like, why was he there? It just seemed like he. they were really trying to push hard to remind you this is By the, the way, we have that for man. Justice League. Yeah, and they do this thing. WB and DC will do so much better when they lose the Batman-Superman crutch. They will go so far. You have so many other characters you could develop. It's ridiculous. So I get it. Batman's been your moneymaker for years. But Superman. You know, Momoa is welcome to show up anytime. He can come and yeah. spread some water yes. everywhere in my life. I just, he just, he could just, <laughs> <laughs> he showed up and I was like, yes. And then it was over. And I was like, oh God. I mean, yeah, we get like one picture in this film of him. And then in the um, Batman versus Superman movie, we get him like in the water for like two seconds. It would be nice mm. to have a longer and I cameo. done without the Flash cameo. Yeah. Like, I had, yeah. it made no sense. It didn't. None. It wasn't neat. No. Can we, can we talk about Carla Delevingne for a minute? Because I'm, I was really digging her Diana Ross circa Bob Mackie moment when she had her costume change and she learned how to walk like us. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, girl can wiggle a little bit. She was, you know, when she was making the machine and whatnot, I was like, somebody had a coach. Yeah, that's what happens when you're best friends with Rihanna. Go so figure. I'm sure she asked her. Go figure. <laughs> I, the Enchantress, she didn't do much for me as a villain. I thought maybe it could have been a more compelling, interesting villain to see unfold in the story but this performance didn't do a whole lot for me it it was actually a bit of a snooze fest to be honest with you just that part of it there were other you know characters who i thought was really great but as a villain i just expected a little bit more but i think in in this case this is somewhere where context comes into play they didn't give us enough of who she was before enchantress and that transition they didn't give us anything they just gave Mm -hmm. us her and then the black hand. And that was it. It was like her or the other her or the other mm-hmm. her. But we didn't get to know anything about we. Ha- there was a blurb about her being a, a, a scientist, a doctor. And, and, and that was it about her life, except for kissing him. And which, you know, OK, everything mm-hmm. was a love story. But still, we didn't have enough information. There wasn't enough context about who she was, because I think that there was a very important um, contrast between who she was and who the enchantress and what the enchantress, what her purpose was. I didn't really get the brother connection and unleashing the brother and taking over the world. Okay. We, we get that. We get that. But who was the enchantress really? I mean, what did she do besides steal a file? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very difficult to try to insert people's origin stories into a film like this with such a large ensemble cast. Yeah. So yeah. I could well, see why that that wouldn't be told, at least in this particular story, maybe for future films to come. Yeah, but that's why they should love Dalkatana too, because she is such yeah. an amazing like character in other series that they should have left her out. There was no read to have. There was no reason to have Katana a part of this. They didn't mm-hmm. give us any of her life. And she mm-hmm. she's got one of the most amazing backstories. So mm-hmm. and her face was covered her- again. The Asian woman's face was covered for the entire film. Mm-hmm. But I think that. But I think the the problems that with Suicide Squad and I I told people that, you know, if I would suggest that they watch Suicide Squad, I would say that if you're someone who 
is invested in in DC doing well, which I want them to do well. I don't. It doesn't make me happy to see a movie like Batman versus Superman. It doesn't make me happy to see, you know, the faults in Suicide Squad. But I think it's important if if you want them to do well, it's it's important to watch these movies to kind of see where it is they're faltering. And I think a major thing that's going on with Warner's DC right now is that they're playing catch up. There, there's too much rare view mirror watching, catching to see what what Marvel mm-hmm. is doing. And I think this, this is a big reason why Suicide Squad ended up so muddled because there's been reports that when um, Deadpool came out, they freaking panicked. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, that's the movie we were supposed to make. And they were doing reshoots in freaking February. You know what I mean? So that's why mm. some of this don't, there, there are scenes that were cut out. There were scenes that were, you know what I mean? Like the bar scene, there was a more, there was a longer bar scene from what I understand. Or or I think the bar scene added, you know, but they panicked when they saw, they panicked when they saw what Deadpool did. And then they panicked when um, Civil War came out. Like the thing with, with, with DC is that it's everything is a knee jerk reaction for them. Everything that Marvel does, then they go into panic mode and it's, it's not a good look. And just last month they had, um, for Justice League, they invited a whole bunch of press over to the UK where they were shooting and they did a press day, um, you know, and it was it was hilarious to me because just last year they were saying how they had nothing to do with Marvel and we're, we're trying to be better than Marvel and Marvel is for kids and Marvel is too bright and that's blah, 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 blah. And then here comes Zack Snyder coming out talking to the reporters talking about, yeah, well, you know, we're using a little bit of the Marvel DNA. Oh, really? Yeah, we saw it and it didn't work. You know what I mean? Because that that scene in Justice League with the scene between Bruce Wayne and Barry Allen is a direct rip of the scene between Tony Stark and Peter Parker. That is the same exact thing, but it didn't it didn't work because it wasn't funny. And I don't mind if you have a movie that's an homage of other movies or if you're trying, you know, if you're trying to even imitate other movies, because if you look at The Matrix, The Matrix is a as a collage of so many different mm-hmm. movies and genres, but they got it right. So I just feel that if if you're at least gonna rip off of somebody, at least make it good. You know what right. I mean? And so I feel like DC, I think Jeff Johns coming on board is is a step in the right direction because they need a Kevin Feig. They need somebody that's going to give them that vision for the next 10 years. And I don't think Zack Snyder is that person. I think that's why they're faltering, because Zack Snyder was also a producer on Suicide Squad. I don't agree with Zack Snyder's vision for the DC universe at all. So I'm just waiting for him to just hurry the hell on and, you know, <laughs> let's get some other people who actually like these characters. Because right. if you watch Batman vs. Superman, it is and written obvious these characters, that Zack Snyder does Jeff not has that insight. like Superman at all. Yeah. So I feel like you need to have somebody who has love our respect for these characters. And it's moments like this where I really wish that Dwayne McDuffie were still alive. Because if they had Dwayne McDuffie on their team, we would not be seeing the mess that we're seeing on the big screen right now. And we'd actually see Jon Stewart in the Justice League film and other black characters in this as well. So yeah, exactly. that, that, that would be awesome. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. I think if Dwayne McDuffie was still alive, we'd see a lot going on. And also Milestone would be revamped and, and embellished. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of your talking points. Um, I, I wanted to move on to the subject of the Joker, played by Jared Leto. It, definitely, there was some mixed reviews there. I will begin 
I liked it. I, I thought that his interpretation of the Joker was very interesting um, because what I got a sense of is that this Joker is someone who's very unpredictable. You didn't know one moment whether or not he was going to embrace or kiss you or kill you. And I liked that about this Joker. I did not get the sense that he was trying to be like Heath Ledger. Like, I think that was the hugest critique that people had of, of Jared's depiction of this character. Oh, he's trying to be like Heath Ledger. I think he was trying to go into his own lane. You know, he definitely had some influence from glam rock artists like David Bowie and yes. others for this role. So I saw a lot of that, you know, you know, there was a little bit of um, feminine masculinity there with mm -hmm. his character. I really liked that. And I really loved his laugh. They didn't yeah, do it yeah. enough in this film. Um, it was really good. They, they didn't have him laugh enough in this film for me, but May I be so bold to say, I think his laugh was even better than what I've heard from Mark Hamill's laugh, which, of course, Mark Hamill, by all accounts, is one of the best jokers yeah. in, in you know history. But I just thought there was something incredibly menacing and just evil about a laugh um, that he had done with that kind of long-winded, sporadic laugh that you just haven't heard before. You know, usually you hear the more maniacal, hee-hee-hee kind of laugh, but that ha-ha-ha, like that was scary to me. And um, I think Jared pulled that off perfectly. So I had no issues with him. He wasn't really in the film long enough to warrant a fair critique, and I think that's why a lot of people are bashing on him harder than they really should. But um, overall, Jared did a fine job. I like to refer to Jared's performance as super psycho sexyhood realness. He gave me 90s. He gave me hood. He gave me street. He gave me joker. He gave me psychotic. He gave me brilliant. I did not. I don't think it's ever fair to compare to. Um, Lord, I just lost his name. The one that played the joker previously that passed away. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Heath. I don't think it's fair to compare it's not. Heath Ledger's performance People to anybody else's. And I don't think it's fair to compare Jack Nicholson's performance as Joker to anybody else either. Right. I think it is not only safe, but artistically brilliant to define the Joker for themselves. And this interpretation of the Joker was equally funny as he was scary. You just didn't know where he was going to go next. You did not know what this fool was going right. to do. And then he had the gold chains in the front. And it, it was aesthetically, it was different, but connected. Energetically, it was different, but connected. I think Jared did in a, and he's the only Jared I like on this earth. He, I think he did an amazing <laughs> job. He had a hell of a legacy to follow. And Heath Ledger is always going to be Heath Ledger. It, it, it's people do need to stop comparing them because Heath Ledger was brilliant in his own right. But you know that role pretty much took him out. That was his last one, and 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 we have to honor him where he is, uh, where that performance was. But I think for for Jared to come behind this, to come behind that performance as the Joker, he didn't pull it off. He didn't need to pull it off. He did a superb job of being of reinterpreting the Joker for now. 
because we can look back on the animated series. We can look back on the original Batman. We can look back on Marvel and on DC, but every character is subject to the context of where we are now. And I think it did a great job of pulling the Joker a little bit closer to our reality. I I think the psychotic, I, I just, his mind was just so nuts. And, you know, the tattoos and all of them had significance. And there are some theories that, you know, this Joker really is Robin, that the other Joker, you know, turned into another form of himself. I've read some theories about that. And, you know, interesting conspiracy theories. But as a as a standalone performance, we didn't see enough of him. I would have loved to have seen more of him. But I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was really great. He um, he was almost endearing if he wasn't so scary. He was endearing. And isn't that what the Joker always has been? I mean, you kind of like him. You kind of like him. He crazy, but you like him. Yeah. I love him. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just have to disagree. <laughs> I just did not like that performance at all. Um, I I think I see what they wanted to do with Joker. Um, I read somewhere they yeah that he tried to emulate David Bowie and he tried to do the but I felt like that the performance was just it was surface to me. I I think Jared Leto is a really good actor and I and I said this before I could see the logic as to why they picked Jared Leto because Jared is one of those oddities in Hollywood where he doesn't play the Hollywood game. He's very much into his own thing. He, you know, he's in a band. He doesn't, you know, he's here to promote his movie and then he's just doing his own thing. And so I think I could see the logic of why they would pick Jared Leto. But again, I think it's the writing. I think we could have gotten a better Joker with better writing and better direction. I really tried not to um, compare him to... Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger, the bar was set and that's it. Um, But I was interested to see what Jared would bring into it. But I feel like whatever iteration of Joker that you're doing, um, there has to be this intelligence and this cunningness, right? Because there's a reason why he is Batman's arch enemy, because they are opposites of each other. Just the same way that Batman Bruce Wayne is brilliant and is usually five steps ahead of the competition, the Joker, you know, well, that was from The Dark Knight, right? It's like when an immovable um, force meets a meets an immor- a, a immovable force. That's what Batman and Joker are. That's why they can never beat each other because they're the same sides, the different sides of the same coin. This version of Jared Leto, I don't believe this version of Joker would ever outsmart Batman. I just don't see it. He's just not that smart to me. And not to mention the fact that this romanticization the the way that they've romanticized his um risking everything to like save harley that's not the joker that i know the joker is out for himself okay mm-hmm. he harley quinn is useful to him when he needs her and then when he doesn't need her that's that right we got a glimpse of that in a scene where he and harley were in the car but the rest of suicide squad where he was just doing the most to get her back that's not the Joker that I know. I was, and, and it's illogical for him. The Joker that I know, it, he would not put himself out there or risk himself to be caught. So I, I think that they could bring Jared back if they want to bring him back for Joker. I think he and Margot have good chemistry. But I really feel that they need to workshop this version of the Joker more, 
right? Because someone was saying that uh, critics didn't like this version because he, you know, this, uh, the Suicide Squad, because it had a punk aesthetic. Well, punk aesthetic is more than just tattoos and some, and some body piercings. That's a culture. You know what I mean? And I feel like David Ayer just watched a couple of movies, threw some people in there and was like, yeah, I'm going to give you hood. I'm going to give you punk. But it was very surface. It, it just did not feel authentic to me at all. So mm. love Jared, but did not like the performance. They need to workshop it more. Kayla? I, I actually enjoyed it because I feel like Karan said at the end of the day, Jack cannot be compared to Mark. Mark cannot be compared to Heath. And Heath can't be compared with Jared and vice versa, any order, when it comes to playing the Joker. Um, You can do it all day long with Batmans because we've had a variety of sucky Batmans and a variety of great Batmans. But it doesn't work comparing the Joker because throughout the comic series, throughout the games, throughout the movies, you have different levels of Joker and I like this level, this this swagged out. I don't, I don't know. I kind of guess you disagree that he wasn't smart. I feel like that he's mm-hmm. he's cold and calculated is yeah. what yeah. his he, you take away from Joker. He he knows he's he's very smart, um, and we saw that in Jack Nicholson's. Um, performance as the Joker in the original Batman. He was very, very cold and calculated, but that's where his downfall is, where he gets tripped up every now and then. He's never going to be fully caught between him and Batman um, because, like you said, they are normally five steps ahead of one another. He's too smart However, for his own good. He's, he's way too smart for his own good, and that's his downfall. And I think this Joker is slightly weakened and I liked that because this is still Joker fresh out of Arkham and had used love as a way to get out so he's very fresh in this I have control over somebody Joker likes control that's why um, I know a lot of people don't like the Batman Beyond series it's one of my favorites because you've got the Joker um, gang and he having that control even after having passed away that's his thing that he loves to have he loves to have lingering control and to lose a piece of him um to have thought that and that's why a lot of people are like well, why would he come back for harley he he needs to have control of her the movie went about proving how she doesn't need him and you know but then when she asked for her put him back i just kind of was like uh, i didn't like that line but he likes to have control over her and she is he is her weakness so that's why i say um i would love to see harley with ivy because that's when she's she when she gets with ivy it's when she realizes i don't need someone to control me tell me what to do and i don't have to please anybody so Mm -hmm. i think that that's why that joker for me worked because he was all about getting back his control over her because his control was taken away so finding out where she was and that scene where he's laying down in that spiral that little death spiral that he made i loved that that just shows that he was breaking a little bit because joker does have a weakness losing his control is his weakness and they showed that and i think that jared did a fantastic job with it 
think one of the best episodes that I can recall, because most of my knowledge of Harley Quinn is through Batman the Animated Series, which is where she first debuted. And then they put her in the comics later. But one of my favorite episodes of Batman the Animated Series was with Harley and Ivy. And it's a very feminist episode if you ever go back and watch it, because they team up together and Ivy's like, why do you want the Joker? You know, he's so wrong for you. He's just a terrible guy. And you don't need that man in your life to, to be a strong woman. And they both kind of take over Gotham for a second. And there's like a men's club. And uh, Poison Ivy also makes a remark about, well, why does this have to be a men's club? You know, this you should include women in this as well. And, you know, she winds up taking all of her poisonous vines and it enraptures all of the men in this club and and, and they be, they're able to defeat them and, and they're just kind of off cruising together. But meanwhile, Harley is still pining over the Joker. But I just thought that that was a really great episode where you saw these two women that were very empowered um, kind of taking over. And I would love, 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 love to see that in live action format somewhere or another. And I, I do agree with the fact that there was some problems with their their relationship um, with respect to Harley and the Joker and how they romanticize that. And that's not what most of us remember from either watching the animated series or reading the comics. And I, I don't know where they're going with that. I don't want to fully critique and say that that was completely wrong because I feel like they're showing it in that way to lead up to a story in future films. But if that's really the direction that they plan on going, then it sounds like they haven't read anything about the relationship between Harley and Joker, um, which is unfortunate. So I'm, I have hope, little t- tiny kernels of hope that um, they're setting up their relationship in that way for a big reveal in a future film. So it should be interesting to see how that goes. So before we wrap up, I want to bring up one last talking point, and and that's about the critics' response to this film, and um, and just the dragging culture and the nerd rage machine behind a lot of these comic book films as of late. So suicides. Yeah. So and and I I want to throw out some theories, and I I want you guys to let me know what you think. Um, so Suicide Squad, when it when it premiered um, for the press, immediately critics took to the interwe- interwebs and, you know, gave their thoughts and opinions. And yes, there was, uh, and you mentioned this in your Periscope video, Rebecca, that there was, in fact, a Forbes writer that said that this was the worst DC film since Catwoman. And when I saw that, I was just like, wow. <laughs> there is no the, worse the- movie than Catwoman. The Doslam reach on that one, please. That That's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it was very interesting how people just wanted to tear this film apart. And, um, and fans were very upset. Fans that hadn't seen the film yet were very upset by the critics uh, saying these things about the movie. So I feel like there's this culture now where if a film isn't exactly what we expect it to be, then we have to automatically hate it. And I also feel like there's a little bit of a bias between Marvel films and DC EU films because of the fact that Marvel has done such an incredible job with their universe, with interconnecting things together. And it's a very seamless uh, world building process that they have been able to establish for over a decade now. 
that um, the DC Extended Universe has not been able to establish. And because they, we put them on such a high pedestal, Marvel, anything that is below Marvel's uh, sort of level of, of, of just being incredibly great, that somehow that a DC film, if it doesn't match that standard, is just, it sucks. It's the worst film ever. And I, I, I just feel like we need to kind of have a little bit of an objective eye for a second and just let DC be in its own lane and let Marvel be in its own lane and never the two shall meet. Like, I just don't feel like we should compare those two universes because let's face it, Marvel just makes better films. It's just always going to be that way. It probably has a lot to do with more than just Kevin Feige. It has to do with their whole entire production team, the actors that they work with. Um, there's probably a lot more involved in the Disney Marvel machine than we know that makes Marvel films so great. So I think we need to kind of set ourselves aside from just doing the comparison thing and just really look at DC films for what it is and just base it off of that. Mm-hmm. So that said, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the critics' response to Suicide Squad. Someone had also tweeted, <laughs> someone tweeted that, uh, they said that critics are just butt hurt because this isn't a Lily White movie. And I thought that that was just very interesting because I remember the critics bashing the hell out of Fantastic Four, which had a race bent Johnny Storm. So w- what are your thoughts on that and, and the criticism overall? I think I agree with you. It's unfair to compare the Marvel Universe to DC. Um, first of all, Marvel did a lot more groundwork. They laid the foundation with the intent, I, I believe the difference they laid they, they laid their foundation with the intent of it being connected. And DC kind of put out films trying to catch up to that philosophy. And but they are two very different worlds. Marvel is colorful and bright, and DC is a lot darker. Just it's their trademark that they're just darker. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Gotham is a dark place. Gotham is a very dark <laughs> place, and yeah. you know just considering the fact that you know even with the with Batman the animated series you know that was artistically a stretch that was artistically different because it was drawn on black paper it that was aesthetically completely different than anything we had seen in animation prior to it exists its existence but I think if I depended on critics to see films I would never see films I think critics are idiots I think a lot of these fanboys are butthurt because that's all they are that's all they can be is butthurt because they don't have anything else to do Um, I think it's really interesting that in such a creative space like filmmaking there is very little creative license given to these filmmakers now the criticism is just in, in, in that uh, it wasn't a Lily White movie, and that's probably why they are butthurt because it was diverse. However, even with a little sprinkle of color, we're still seeing a lot of the same racial tropes and stereotypes. Right. So that needs to change. And again, and I, I said this in, in plenty of our other podcasts, and I'll say it again, it's not going to change until the writer's room does. It's not going to change until the production crew changes. Um, it's not going to change until people who... Um, have a voice and have an artistic perspective that's different is welcome and but it is unfair to compare the two um i think a lot of these critics probably need to go out more maybe get a date um because some of them are, are really literally um 
they they're stuck in the comic book and granted comic book and graphic novel formats are short versus a film yeah you have a lot of space to fill in the film and they're going to be some some missteps along the way but i really think uh dc needs to rethink their philosophy of how they're going to connect because they still haven't made these connections. They're trying to make them, but they're not fluid. They need Mm -hmm. to do a better job of defining these characters and telling us who they are in, in this world in the film world um, of, of explaining what their background stories are, the context of what makes them who they are. If we don't get enough of that, then we're going to hate it. And if we don't get enough color for real, if we don't start seeing our world reflected in, in these films, then it's just going to continue to be the same conversation over and over again. But it is an unfair, unfair comparison. Marvel is a different world. DC is a different world. Let's appreciate that we have different worlds and let it be that. And and get these boys out of the house. Take them on a field trip or something and, and let them get some air and, and breathe in. And maybe... Instead of sitting back and critiquing all this stuff, maybe they should get out and start creating some stuff. Rebecca? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I think there's a, there's, there's a few things going on. Um, as far as the, the critical backlash from Suicide Squad, um, and I always tell people, you know, I'm a film critic, and I, you know, what I write or the things that I say about a movie, they're my opinion. It's not the end all be all. Every film critic has a different point of view. And I will say this for the millionth time, there is no such thing as objective film criticism. Everybody that comes into a movie, you are bringing in your own biases, whether it's your gender, it's your race, it's your sexual orientation, it's your socioeconomic status, your level of education. All of these things go into the way that you filter and and the way that you receive images. So there will never be two, um, there should never, I should say, there should never be two reviews that see the same exact thing because no two people are the same. Yeah. Um, we can find commonalities, we can, we can, we can co-sign on each other like, oh, you saw that too? Oh, okay, that's cool. Um, but I, I like mm-hmm. that the film critic community, or I should say that it sh- that it should be diverse. The same way we want diversity in our films, we should have diversity in our, our film criticism, which is part of the reason why I decided to write, because I didn't want to just read reviews from white guys. I wanted to see things for myself and write it from my perspective. Um, that being said, um, a lot of the a lot of the backlash that's coming on from Suicide Squad, I will definitely say there's a lot of bandwagoning going on, right? Um, because now we live in a culture of hot takes, right? Who's the funniest? Who's the wittiest? Um, who can get it up there first? And that's what's going on um, in online, particularly in online film criticism. Um, and this isn't to say that because you don't go to film school that someone is more educated. I mean, I think you use the tools that you have in order to write a cohesive review. Um, That being said, I think some people were just really wanting to be snarky because snarky wins. Snarky gets you Mm. retweets, right? And so as as somebody who writes for online, uh, for mainstream uh, outlets or any type of outlet, you know, the, the goal of any editor or any or any piece that you put up is how many eyeballs are you going to get on this article? How many views? How many retweets? How many comments are you going to get on it? Because if I get paid to write a review and only five people read it, 
well, there's there's just no there's nothing to do with that. But if you can take my review and put a snarky byline like, oh, you know, Suicide Squad is the worst movie since Catwoman. Best believe you're going to get retweets on that, whether you agree with it or not. Okay, so I do feel that for film critics, there does need to be a certain responsibility. I'm not saying that you need to like Suicide Squad. Just give me your informed opinion. Okay, I don't need any hot takes on this. That's <laughs> that. I want you to do your job. Just do your job. Whether you, if you like it, great. Tell me why you liked it. If you didn't, tell me why. We need to kind. Of, I feel that the film criticism community, we need to pretty much take a step back from these hot takes. Sometimes you need to sit down and really think about a movie, um, you know, before you, you give your opinion on it. Because sometimes your initial opinion is, may not be the right one, or maybe you need to watch it again. Um, as far as Marvel and DC, is there a pro-Marvel bias and an anti-DC bias? I think for some people there are. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I think to a certain degree there might be some people, but that that's everybody. There are there are there are writers who like who are team DC, there are writers who are team Marvel, and you can see it in the way that they that they frame their articles or that the way they, they frame the the headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, but and that's fine. Okay, that's fine. Everybody has their own opinion. Um, but did Suicide Squad actually deserve a twenty I think at on Rotten Tomatoes it's like at twenty seven percent or twenty nine percent. It didn't need to be that low. I mean, me personally, I probably would have given it like 60%, maybe 50, 60%. And that was mostly because of Viola Davis. There were some things that I liked. Did it deserve 27%? That's pretty harsh. I think that is pretty harsh. And I think, again, there's a lot of bandwagoning going on where people are just being influenced and they're just like, they're trying to outdo each other. Like, how nasty and snarky can I get? And that's not helpful to anybody. Okay, I just, you know, you'll get a couple of giggles, but then it's like, okay, but how do we fix the problem of what the DCU is facing? I mean, it's not my responsibility, but I'm saying as somebody who grew up on DC Comics, and I am actually a DC girl, which is funny because people think that I'm pro-Marvel, and I'm like, I'm not. I actually watched, read way more DC Comics than Marvel Comics. I always felt that Marvel had the better artists, but that DC had the better storylines. That's just the way I always felt. Um, and, and so it is It is hurtful to me as a DC girl to see what shenanigans are going on at DCU right now. So I just need them to get their acts together. Um, and, you know, when you actually do a good movie, then you'll get a good freaking review. That's the way I see it. You know what I mean? Um, do they deserve to be dragged so bad for, for Suicide Squad? No. Could they have done better? Yes. So I just feel that you know, there's a responsibility on the film criticism side where they need to not be so snarky and 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 just do your job. And I feel that DC on uh, Warner's DC on their side, they need to do their jobs. They need to do a good superhero movie. And I would like to see them make a movie that hits a bill. We're three movies. I don't know what Suicide Squad is going to make, but Batman versus Man of Steel didn't hit a bill. Uh, Batman versus Superman didn't hit a bill. So. I mean, I, I don't know if Suicide Squad is going to hit that, but I do feel that if you want to sit at the big boys' table, you need to come with some paper. You need to come with the receipts, and DC does not have the receipts so far. So, yeah. I think that at some point, Marvel fanboys have to chill. Like, just take a second, breathe, and realize that Marvel is not the end-all, be-all. And I'm saying that as an opposite 
of Rebecca. I'm a Marvel girl, but I did I, I appreciate DC. I still right now I'm reading the DC run of Bombshells, DC Bombshells, which is why I have such a hard time with their crappy slew of movies right now. Um because they have runs that are out right now that are amazing. They have people to go to to get the t- character development right. So I don't agree with the backlash because it was a lot of bandwagon, like she said, jumping on. Oh, well, somebody else. That's a lot of the response we've all gotten on Twitter. Well, I heard that stop going by what you heard and go see it for yourself and make your own opinion. We live in this society where we take this list off of BuzzFeed of what was wrong with this movie and go by that. And it's not okay. And it's because who's going to have the best, worst review of a movie? And comparing it to Catwoman, that's just rude. Like, that's the rudest thing you could say. That's like saying, like, that would have been like, because, what, Jamie's not a huge fan of Ant-Man. That's like her saying, oh, it's just like Daredevil with Ben Affleck. But, like, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. (laughs) I forgot about that. It was definitely a clickbait. Uh, headline for sure yeah I don't don't think anybody agrees with that (laughs) so it they've gotta they've really gotta stop with that I feel like when it comes to removing reviewing films a lot for mainstream a lot of the journalistic integrity has gone down because it is who can have the best worst review of this film and make people on it and that's not fair that's why we have these outlets like black girl nerds just to we can be objective it might not be for everybody but it might be for someone else out there so for you to come and tear it down two weeks before everybody else is able to see it and just say this is the absolutely worst film that's not fair you're not doing your job because being objective is not going to always happen give your opinion because at the end of the day it's your opinion a jab yeah. here, a quip there, but at, just always remember to go back to, by the way, this is my opinion. Go see it for yourself yep. because we all have to make our own decisions on what we're going to go see. And I wasn't going to base my experience on someone else's experience. No one should live their life that way. So for you to come in and try and put that on people um, to say, you know, I would save my money. I would don't waste your time. That's not fair. So I feel like, and especially that Rotten Tomato score, that just, that hurt me and I hadn't even seen it yet. That was just so, because it wasn't deserved. There are movies out there that deserve worse that get higher so, for me, it, when it comes to reviewing films, um, movie critics have have got to take a step back. And DC knows that they've got to work on it. Like I said, for me, I feel like this is them figuring it out. They at least cast the right uh, people of color. I'm looking at you, Doctor Strange. So, your move, Marvel. So, <laughs> I'm just saying. Iron Fist. <clears throat> Um, Iron Fist and, um, you know, the ancient one. We're gonna we're not going to play that game where you're going to come for DC. Marvel has its problems, too. Nobody. And, and Rebecca said that today. We were tweeting back and forth about the film. 
Marvel is not, no one's perfect. Marvel is not perfect. They have their flaws. Oh, Luckily, yeah. they've tweaked it, but they still are doing things that we all question, especially when it comes to casting. So we have to take a step back and be, okay, DC's figuring out, they at least get, them, they're getting their casting right. Marvel, come on, just step it up. And I mean, we're all going to have our own opinions about Doctor Strange when it hits this fall. I'm going to go into the movie, but I won't be, oh, this is going to be horrible because it, you know, wasn't cast correctly. It could be a great film. I'm not, I don't hate Tilda Swinton at all. It could be a fantastic movie. Am I disappointed that that character was cast incorrectly? Yes. But we all have to go into these movies thinking, I'm here to see a movie. I'm here to see if it pleases me for what Rebecca pointed out. Everyone's going to come into a movie and with their own list of things that are going to make them see it differently. I came into it knowing that I am a, a huge Harley Quinn fan and, and B I've been waiting to see a DC movie that makes me laugh. I haven't laughed at a DC movie since dark Knight where there were scenes that make, you know, tickled me because... Pencil that was- trick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That was the best part of the movie. So yeah. I haven't let... And that's where I think they're figuring out, too, because do we go back to that press conference where they said, oh, well, we're, we're going to be very serious and we're not going to make any jokes? It worked. Did you yes. not see that you guys got a little bit of people out here actually defending you because they actually did laugh in the movie? Yeah. Um, so you can be dark and you can be funny. So like I said, for me, they're figuring it out. And movie critics, they've got to learn that words carry a lot of weight. And people know that. So they're using that to their advantage. And it's hurting um, the audiences, the general audiences, when they're releasing these reviews. And they're not completely accurate just because it's a hot take. So yeah. Totally agree. And I just want to give props to Cynthia uh, of Black Girl Nerds, who was uh, who gave the first review on our site about Suicide Squad and watched the screening of the film during the um, press runs and gave a very honest take about the movie. And she was subjective in her opinions. Um, And a lot of the um, followers and fans of BGN that read the review read it as very honest. And when they later saw the film, got a lot of feedback that it was like accurate. I totally agreed with it. Even after seeing the film, it was entertaining. There were some flaws, but for the most part, it was a fun movie to watch. So um, that is what we strive for here at BGN is giving honest reviews. We're not about clickbait and, and, and trying to get these hot takes, but um, really giving a perspective and definitely through the lens of being black women, um, all of these different uh, things that are a part of pop, pop culture, whether it be movies or TV shows, gaming, sci-fi, fantasy novels, all of the whole nine. So just want to say thank you, Cynthia, again, for, for your honest review. A lot of people responded to that well. Um, before we go, I just want to give you guys an opportunity to shout anything out let our listeners know your Twitter handles, where we can find you on the interwebs. And thanks so much for this great conversation. Well, I will say um, this is Karan. You can find me everywhere at Karanism, and you can listen to the Karanism show every Thursday from 10 p.m. to midnight and every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. on 101 The Heat. Um, and be you, be creative, 
loosen up. Have fun. Uh, this is Rebecca. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Fatale underscore NYC. Um, you can find me tweeting live shows. I'll be live tweeting Power tonight. Um, and I'm also co-host of the Cinema and Noir podcast. We'll actually be going live at 6 p.m. Eastern time tonight. So you can find us on Twitter. Our handle is Cinema and Noir. And I'm Kayla, and you can find me everywhere pretty much as Maria underscore Hisella on Twitter. Um, I help run the BGN podcast Twitter page. And you can find me with Jamie this September at DragonCon. So we'll be bringing you like all tons of pictures of cosplay panels, and it's going to be such a fun time. So if you're going to be there, let us know. Excellent. And I'm Jamie Broadnax. You can follow me on Twitter at Black Girl Nerds. Uh, you can follow my personal account at Jamie Broadnax. I always follow back on that account. And this week we are selling T-shirts as a part of a campaign. It's Michelle Obama as Monica Rambeau, a.k.a. Spectrum. So check it out at BlackGirlNerds.com forward slash T-shirts. It's just for this week only. Thank you so much, guys. This was a great discussion. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Escape from reality Open your eyes Look up to the skies at sea I'm just a fool I need no sympathy Because I'm easy come, easy go Little high, little low
I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango? Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo, Galileo, Galileo Figaro. I'm just a poor boy, nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family, sparing his life from this monstrosity. Easy come, easy go, will you let me go? Bismillah, no, we won't let you go. Mia, mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go. The elder has a double point aside for me, for me.